for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities or Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Wherever I wander, wherever I roam, I couldn't be found of my big home. The bees are buzzing in the tree to make some honey just for me. Welcome when to episode 14 the of the Beyond the Boxcore podcast. I'm your host, as always, Dave Gershman, and uh, it's been a while, Matt, but I'm being joined by Matt Klass, Matt Klass, sorry, from the greater Toronto area. And Matt, you know, I just said it's been a while. It really has, and I know you were in Oklahoma uh, recently. I was in London. It's, you know, it's, it's, great to, it's great to be back on the podcast again, man. Yeah, it is. So which London were you in? London, England or London, Ontario? <laughs> I was in London, England, uh, believe it or not, and it was... Well, th- what, is it one of your favorite teams there? Well, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, because I actually did see... I saw a football game, well, soccer, football, and that was that was uh, smashing. That was a lot of fun. Um, but I will tell you this. If there was a minor league team there, if there was, like, a major league team there, I would go very often to see them play, because, yeah, yeah it's definitely worth it. It's a, No, I mean, I, I had a great time there, and you were in Oklahoma. How was Oklahoma? Well, it was nice. I was there for family stuff, so there's not much to talk about there. Right. It was a nice visit. And uh, I just let our followers know, or sorry, just let our listeners know, we're going to be back. You know, so both of us are back. We're going to be doing the podcast a weekly again, hopefully. Um, we we uh, we want you to uh, to. This is a really good episode. Uh, we have um, Alejandro. I'm not going to. I can't say his last name because uh, due to Mexican uh, uh, security, uh, he doesn't want me to share his last name, which is absolutely respectable. But he's the Astros. Uh, Beat writer for uh, for for the Mexican uh, uh, newspaper. He is I'm not sure what it's called, but for the Mexican newspaper, he is also a, a big advocate, a big uh, you know he's a huge uh, uh, person. Uh, he's a huge baseball person in Mexico, trying to promote the Mexican league, uh, former league of uh, our favorite royal, Matt Joaquim Soria. That's right. And um, yeah, so that so that was a lot of fun, and we're gonna talk to Craig uh, Calcaterra of NBC's Hardball Talk, and. Uh, we had a, and shyster ball fame. Shyster ball fame. Uh, a little bit of the hardball times. And uh, yeah, so if you guys would like to follow Matt and myself on Twitter, if you if you like to ask us questions for the podcast or just to say hi, uh, Matt is at devil underscore fingers, all lower cases. I am at Dave underscore Gershman. And Matt, um, I believe I I overtook you in followers. I have. This is this is the first time ever that I've had more followers than you. So basically, what I'm trying to say is, uh, who is your bitch? Sorry, you're my bitch. <laughs> I think that pretty much sums it up. That little uh, attempt to put me down. Uh, so let's just count up. I think we, we need a recount, excluding all the porn bots. Right. I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. You know, how many of my followers are actually followers? How many of your followers are actually people? And I think I'm pretty sure I haven't counted the number, but I think I have. Two people following me, and and yeah, and one thousand. Well, I follow you. Well, yeah, well, yeah, you're one of them, and uh, someone else. I have one thousand twenty-seven spam bots, um, and you have, I believe. Wait, is it nine hundred and something, or are you over a thousand now? I'm over They're mostly people. Yeah, and um, if you if you guys would like to uh, find the podcast on iTunes. Uh, just search Beyond the Box Score, search Matt Klaas, search Dave Gershman, search BTB, search whatever. 
if, if you'd like to send your emails in to the podcast, uh, email is btbquestions at gmail.com. We'd happily answer your emails, uh, although we can't sort through all of them every week because we get a lot. We get a ton, right, Matt? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we don't have a Facebook page for the podcast, but we do have a Twitter account for the podcast, and that is at BTB score podcast. So about beyond the box score does have a, a Facebook page. That's true. Yeah. If you like to, yeah, you definitely check that out. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so Matt, so we, you know, so it's been a pretty quiet day for news except for the big story, which was, uh, Shinsu Chu getting charged, you know, Shinsu Chu of all people for that matter, uh, getting charged with a DUI. And, uh, you know, that's pretty surprising because, uh, you know, he he's not someone who, who you'd expect to uh, to get a DUI. But it's funny because why, – Why not? Well, I, I just never, you know, thought of Shinsu Chu as, as, as someone who, you know, was was that kind of guy. I, I just never really saw him like that. Well, what kind of guy? Someone like you. Well, someone like you. That's right. Yeah, because I'm a hard, hard drinker. Well, yeah. I guess, yeah, I have to admit I was kind of surprised. But I think that what that goes to show us is that the lesson that – we feel, think. I mean, I include myself here. I'm not just saying we, rhetorically, because I'm guilty of this too. Uh, we don't know these guys. We don't know them at all. Right. And this doesn't mean he's a horrible person. I mean, he made a mistake. Yeah. Made a really stupid mistake. But uh, I'm not going to judge that. Right. Having uh, guys drink in baseball. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's gone from. I mean, it was years ago that Keith Law wrote this article for ESPN about how no one gives cares about the drinking problem in baseball, or they don't do anything about it. And that, that was before the whole thing with uh, uh, who was the relief, the middle reliever. I mean, he was a back of the bullpen guy for Cardinals. Josh, yeah, Josh Hancock. Yeah. Yeah. Basically killed himself. Yeah. And then, of course, his parents sued uh, everybody else, <laughs> like all this other crap, yeah. just to see who'd get to pay. Oh, well, we don't have to get into that. Uh, point being that uh, it's a huge drinking problem in baseball, and acting like it's isolated to uh, Miguel Cabrera or something that's really unique uh, is is silly. Um, you know, it's funny. It, people are complaining about steroids. I mean, how right. many people baseball players have died of steroids and how many potentially, I mean, it's a much bigger threat. Uh, somebody doing steroids to enhance the performance or, you know, smoking a little bit of marijuana after a game. That's what everyone's freaking out about. Right. But you know, there's a huge drinking problem. At least clubs of, I mean, look, I, I'm not, a, I'll admit I'm not much of a drinker. I don't have a problem with it. I tend to be kind of a, a libertarian when it comes to this stuff, but, uh, legally, but it's for us for the game. It hurts the image of the game. And it's big. I don't know why, uh, it's such a problem in baseball. It probably is in other sports. I don't know why these guys making so much money can't afford to call a cab. Uh, it's silly. And I don't even know why Chu was in, in the lineup the next day. I mean, these clubs, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a, I'm not saying it's, I'm not going to say it's an epidemic, but it's embarrassing. I remember in Law's article a few years ago, he talked about how uh, when he worked for the Blue Jays, there was another club they were trying to work a trade with. Oh, I don't remember the story, but basically there'll be players talking on trade and they say, oh yeah, we know he has a drinking problem. You know, just yeah. no one seems to, seems to care about it, uh, unless it's a public relations thing. And I, I admit, that's something clubs need to worry about, the public relations angle, but if you would do something proactive before there's some disaster, then it might take right. care of it. Well, that's what Joni Carey said. Uh, Joni Carey on Twitter said today, you know, because it is, the, it, you know, this is the second uh, DUI that's happened in the past week, uh, you know, Derek Lowe last week, and Joni Carey said, 
you know, is MLB, is the union, is Bud Selig, are they going to wait until someone dies to make, you know, to make a, to make a rule, to make a, you know, to make some sort of punishment for those who, who do, a, you know, drink and drive? Because it's, first of all, it's horrible for so many, you know, on so many levels, but, but, you know, something that people haven't set aside for, well, you know, because let's be honest, it's, it, it, it's a big distraction for the team, for the player. It's a legal issue. You know, it damages the credibility of the player. The, you know, it's, it's just, it's a horrible situation for all, but. Mainly, it's just bad for baseball, and you know, it, it, it you know, but Selig, well, mainly it's 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 bad for people who might get killed. Exactly, <laughs> that, well, that's that's the worst part. But you know, uh, but Bud Selig, who's so focused and fixated on keeping the game, you know, uh, I'm in quotes, uh, the great game it is, doesn't really uh, seem to to understand that this is a huge issue for everybody who who likes baseball. You know. Well, look, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, Bud Selig, but you know, it's it's more complicated than just. Instituting some penalties. I mean, because you have to deal with the union yeah. and things like that. And they, look, uh, I'm not ripping the union. That those uh, those things are there for a reason uh, to protect. You know, the players have rights and things. But some action. I mean, this needs to be something that I think the league and the union needs to take a little more seriously because we're talking about the well-being of both the uh, players, the union, and the game, and, and other people. I mean, look outside of the uh, legal issue, which is obvious there. Uh, than the moral issue of of uh, threatening other people's lives, right, yeah, uh, and the players' lives. Uh, uh, they need to work something out that's fair, but uh, that addresses this issue. It just seems to yeah. be happening all the time. There's no reason. For yeah, well, it's the union. I mean, uh, I'm not trying to demonize. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to demonize anybody, but it's I think it's the best interests of uh, the players and of of management to uh, do something about this. Right. Uh, yeah, I agree. They don't have to be extreme, I mean, but uh, a suspensions would be nice, I think. Uh, escalating extensions. I completely uh, agree. Sorry, yeah. suspensions. There has to be some sort of, uh, of repercussions of, of punishment for uh, for this. And, you know, obviously it's a very hard task. It's, it's something that's not easy to, you know, to, um, to incorporate. The union plays a huge role in this. And, and, you know, in general, it really is the union that has to, you know, that has to uh, agree and succumb to this. Uh, but, yeah. But, Players. Well, yeah, and, and yeah, maybe it'll be a negotiating thing in the upcoming CBA. We should really talk to Craig a little bit about this. Yeah, we will. We definitely will. The next in the, in the coming section. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll be honest that we haven't uh, we haven't done the interview yet, but we will, um, and uh, and it'll be great. Um, you know, I, I think I think uh, I hope that there's I hope that that this isn't going to happen very frequently. I hope there's I mean obviously our hope is that there's never going to be another DUI, but that's obviously not going to happen. Uh, we just hope that safety. Uh, know is is gonna play a role here and and, and keep players uh, from actually killing themselves because that's you know that's the worst thing that could happen and we just hope it doesn't happen um and and matt you know we uh we wanted to uh something that we want to do is uh something we haven't done yet actually on the podcast is read itunes reviews of the podcast oh boy yeah yeah well, well let's start let's you know we have a couple we're gonna read a couple and uh Half of them, half of them, are uh, are going to make us happy, and the other half are not. But you know what? That's okay. You know, interest shows are being honest. We guys, uh, you know, we give you a free podcast every week, well, almost every week, not over the past two weeks, but almost every week. All we ask is that you uh, just just give it a you know just give it a rate and give it a review, and and we'll keep uh, giving you free podcasts. If you don't do that, we're going to charge a lot of money for the podcast, right, Matt? Which you'll definitely pay. Yes. Yeah, they'll they'll pay. A lot of the money, and they will pay it because it's a great, it's a great informative podcast. And let's start by reading 
the reviews, and and let's start with the with the lone. Actually, sorry, it's not the lone. With one of the three five star reviews, which is great, right? And that is from uh, that is from PJS24, and I know who that is, and I think you know who that is too. But we're not gonna say who it is because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to break confidentiality here. But a P- well, uh, P- PJS24. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and, and PJS24 is, uh, is a good friend of the podcast. Uh, we like him a lot. Oops, I just said him. Okay, yes, it's it's a guy. It's a good friend of the podcast. And he says, with, uh, with five stars, I really enjoy this long form podcast with Gershman and Klassen. When Mike Petrello fills in for Klassen, it might be even better. Damn. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. PJS24, <laughs> come on. No, but then he says, nothing against Klassen, but sometimes he steamrolls Gershman a bit and can and it can be distracting. The show is nine episodes in, so there is still some feeling out to do with the hosts. The content is downright fantastic, and I'm really looking forward to listening every week during the season. Gershman is a natural. They are crushing it with guests, and I have no doubt that this will continue. A must-listen for baseball fans. Now, Matt, uh, I hope you don't feel bad about this because after you hear the next review, you're going to probably laugh at me, okay? All right? This right. is uh, our our. This is actually our lowest rating, and it's our only rating that's that's not five stars. So that means we're batting seven fifty, pretty much. And it says uh, it's it's one star, and it says the only thing that would make it better is if Dave would say obviously, you know, and uh more. Worst podcast, sports or otherwise, I've ever heard. From beer me please. Well, thank you. I'm glad they listened to the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. And and obviously, you know, uh it's it's a great podcast. Obviously, you know, uh, right, Matt? I, I was all sarcastic. I think they really do think it's great. Well, I hope so, because um you know, the reality is this is actually the fastest growing podcast in the world. It's the number one free uh beyond the box score podcast ever. Yeah. So um so that's something to hang our hats on. And let's and let's go into the into a couple of other reviews. Uh, this is another five star from the ultimate Davester, great name, Dave, uh, and, and he says, "Amazingly awesome." And uh, one out of one listeners found this review helpful, so that's good. And then uh, we have our last, our last review from James Mail, and, and he gives us five stars. He says, "Funny and informative, very good podcast. All baseball fans should listen to it." I agree. Well, that he's. I have nothing to disagree with there. You should all be listening to this. Even if you're listening to it now, you should listen to it again. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely you know car rides, train rides, airplane flights that you know I I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I was on the airplane a couple of days ago. Well, not a couple of days ago, last week or a little bit of a week ago, coming back from London, and I listened to you know, to Kevin Goldstein's podcast for over two hours. I mean, it was it was a long podcast and it was great to listen to. So, if you're, did they talk about indie bands at all? They they did not. Are you serious? Or beers? That was that was a lone podcast where they didn't really talk about. Um, did they did they did they get to baseball in the first hour? <laughs> oh come on! No, no, that's a that's a that's an excellent podcast. Uh, I love listening to Kevin. Hey, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying yeah. It's you know lots of people like it. Yeah, uh, Kevin Goldstein is, a, is also a very good friend of the podcast. He's a dear friend yeah, of all guy. of us. Yeah, he's a very good guy. So is Jason Parks, uh, uh, Kevin's host, and. Uh, so, so that was that was fun, Matt, and and uh, we hope that you guys would at least uh, rate and review uh, every time you listen. Uh, just be honest if you guys don't like it, uh, say so because we you know because we love your feedback. Uh, this is episode fourteen, so we uh, we would hope that uh, by the next time we record 
our podcast, which is, which is episode 15, uh, that you'll have uh, you know a few more uh, reviews written down. That would be great. Um, and Matt, hey, let's get into something else. Uh, before we talk to Craig, uh, this week is the really you know strange and uh, you know I can't even you know I can't even wrap my arms around it. The really strange AL Central. And you know if you had told me Matt that that you know, before the season started, if you had told me that uh, we actually we talked to, we talked about, uh, with Nick Scott about the AL Central and all three of us picked the either either the Twins, White Sox, or Tigers to finish first, second, or third. And if you had told me that, you know, that it wouldn't be like that, I would have said you're crazy. And it's almost like something that I would do because I picked the Nationals to have a good season. I picked the Pirates to finish second. That's probably not going to happen. But it's uh, – the Indians are not only playing well, but I mean, but they're showing uh, all of us that they really are one of the best teams in baseball. And, you know, granted, a lot of players in their team have been lucky so far, but a lot of uh, – players in the Twins and White Sox have not even, you know, have been bad, but haven't been unlucky at the same time. You know, they've just been bad. Um, but, you know, Matt, what do you make of this? You know, what do you make of this of this AL Central? Is because, yes, it's only a month into the season, but we have uh, the Indians and Royals, two teams that almost everybody picked to finish fourth and fifth in first and second. Matt? Uh, yeah, yeah. Dave, I lost you there for a second. That's okay. So just answer the question. Yeah. Uh, what do I make of it? Yeah. Well, I think Minnesota is they're, – they're better than this. They're in trouble. I mean, uh, let me just start with one team. Uh, you've got uh, Liriano's definitely got problems. Morneau might be suffering. We don't know if it's just, if this is just a slump, otherwise, which means it'll come out of it, or if it affects the concussion. And then you've got uh, uh, Maurer out. So those are serious problems. Uh, but but I think more importantly, we want to talk about the about, talk about Cleveland. I mean, Detroit and Chicago, they're just off the slow starts. Uh, Cleveland, though, um, they're over there for sure. I don't think – I think I think Justin Masterson has as, – as, there's a good chance that he's actually made some improvements. Uh, I don't think he's going to have – I don't remember – I don't have Ziari in front of me. Uh, last week it was, uh, you know, two, uh, around two. He's not going to keep that up. Uh uh, Josh Tomlin <laughs> is yeah, not Josh as good Tomlin. as he's looked so far. Uh, on the other hand, uh, uh, Mr. Can't Hold His Booze, Shin Chu Chu, uh, Shin Su Chu, uh, had like it is, I, is, is not hitting, and, and neither really is Santana yet. And so they're coming around. On the other hand, like a Traffner is, it looks like, at least uh, has been looking like he's regained his form from four or five years ago as, and Grady size were looking good. So there's some guys, so they're not quite, uh, they're, they're not as good as they seem. Uh, uh, I, but, but, but there's something there. I mean, they're far enough ahead now, you know, they're, uh, about seven games ahead of Detroit and Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so I think that it'll be tight come September and August. I do think that Detroit and Chicago are the, still the best, most talented teams in the division. Excuse me. Uh, I think those are the two most talented teams that is in the division. But they have a lot of they have a lot of ground to make up. But Cleveland isn't helpless. I, their pitching is way is way over their heads. Uh, but they're a team that can hit, and so it's 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 going to be a long trek back. I mean, as for Kansas City, we we will talk about them. Too, too much of except this week. They've been winning a lot of run one one run games, games. Yeah. and I don't think that uh, Jeff Rancour and Alex Gordon are both going to end of the year with over 900 OPS. So, uh, but Cleveland Cleveland is the most interesting one because uh, you know they can also bring it. You know they've had obviously Jack Hanahan's been, been out of control too, uh, 
and I think okay, uh, Asdrubal Cabrera has been uh, hitting a little bit better. Uh, those things won't last. But what will be interesting was is if Chisholm, for example, is ready. And Kipnis. Uh, and, and Kipnis as well. Although I think Kipnis has been having trouble. I, yeah. if I, I think I read something recently. hasn't been great. So those guys might be back. Uh, sorry, might be up to fill in for the scrubs. And, and then things can get really interesting for Cleveland. I mean, they can at least uh, have some contending. I, I think there's a pretty good chance that they'll be in the thick of it, at least in August. Uh, and that, you know, hopefully people will come out for that, uh, for the franchise, because there, there's a little bit of hope there. Yeah. And a couple of things, you know, I, I, I definitely agree with you about everything you said. Um, two guys, you know, Matt Laporta and Michael Brantley, um, both of whom, you know, have been expected to, you know, to be, a, you know, pretty good players. Uh, since they were traded to the Indians, and, and you know, except for and, uh, and sorry, before this year, uh, neither player was really you know was really showing that they should be in the major leagues. However, this year, I mean, Matt Laporta has been great, and Michael Brantley has been has been really good. Someone who we didn't mention, uh, you know, maybe the biggest uh, spark plug, well, not spark plug, maybe, maybe the biggest X factor on the Indians so far has been uh, our good friend Orlando Cabrera, who's been really you know, I mean, I hate to I, I hate to use this word, he's been really clutch he's been really good in important situations um he's won a lot of uh, games you know in, in his last at bat for the indians and he's been a, i mean he's been a big player for the indians um you know I, I i just hope for the indians you know you know assuming that a lot of players on the indians are lucky because a lot of their bad are inflated i just hope that they don't you know uh you know uh buy players this season and give away prospects and sorry not not buy players uh trade four players this uh during the uh, during the trade deadline uh, in july and you know, not be as good as they really are because you know this is not a team that looks like they could be you know a, a perennial uh, first place team for many years to come. They're just not that type of team. They're not ready yet. They have a lot of good players. They have a lot of good prospects. You know, Alex White made his major league debut this weekend. They have Drew Pomeranz in the system. They have uh, you know they have Carlos Carrasco who's young. They have Kipnis and Chisenhall as you said, Carlos Santana. Um, you know, yes, they have a lot of really good young players, as you said. Travis Hafner is, 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 is you know, he's he's in his mid thirties now, but he's, he seems to uh, he seems to be back to where he was a couple years ago, and that's great. That that's not gonna last. it's not gonna last. But you know, well, that's what I'm saying. I hope that they don't think that they are gonna be good for many years and buy players, and give away prospects, because that would be completely wrong, and they shouldn't do that at all. Yeah, I don't get the sense that that's the kind of thing this team will do. They have always had a, even though I don't think they got enough for Cliff Lee. Uh, and the Sabathia, tra- uh, Sabathia trade hasn't worked out uh, maybe as well as they would like. Although Laporta looks like he's fulfilling some of his yeah, promise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, they're not a team that has overestimated their chances uh, too often. So I don't think we're going to see them being trading any building block type of pieces this year because they just don't have the money to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and – uh, yeah, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, well, I hope not. I hope they don't do it, and it shouldn't happen at all. Um, and then you look at a team like the Royals, who you know who we're not going to focus too much on because we talk about them every week. But uh, they have, you know, they start off the year, and, and it seems like everybody was sitting over three hundred, and and now a couple guys, you know, Chris Getz has has regressed, obviously, which he should. He's not going to be the next uh, Brian Roberts. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, Melky's not really playing that well, but they have, but they have guys. You know, uh, Wilson Benamy's been playing. Uh, very well. Gordon's been Gordon's been amazing so far. Frank Cour has had his uh, has had his bad have been inflated. You know he's been he's been really lucky, but he's but he's been playing well as you said. Neither of those two or those three even are going to be hitting over uh, are going to be hitting a, a 900 OPS towards the end of the season. But you know there's a lot of things to like about this Royals team so far, and a lot of that you know to me is the bullpen. They've they've had some really good success from their uh, from their young relievers. 
not so much Tim Collins, but you know, um, you know, Crow. Well, if they if they'd stop pitching him every single day, maybe he'd be better. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's. I think the Royals are. You know, it's. I, I think Randy Arangers really said it uh, not too long ago. It was on the BP podcast, and he said that you know he thinks the Royals might be better this year than they were last year and they were really bad last year but you know but i got you know i got what he's saying because you know matt let's say let's say the royals you know lose some games in may lose some games in june but they're still you know hovering around 500 maybe a little, a little bit below you know if they bring up guys like mike like mike like mike montgomery and, and lorenzo kane eric cosmer mike moustakis you know they could finish the year around uh, you know 75 to 80 to 80 wins and that'll be and that'll be pretty good that'll be you know a good some good progress made by the system well, that's a possibility. That's one, assuming they don't crash here. Right. Uh, uh, it also assumes that all those guys are going to play well right away. Lorenzo Kane, I think we're seeing it. Uh, can I just point out that Alcides Escobar, uh, if he was the greatest uh, shortstop in baseball history, the way he's hitting right now, he'd be an average yeah. player. And he's good defensively. He's not the greatest. I mean, he's been awful. I think you'll see a similar thing with Kane. Kane can't hit. He's another guy who's all love. Uh, you're also assuming that Mike Moustakis is going to come up and rake right away. Right now, he's actually, I think, struggling a bit at Omaha. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, he might. I mean, I can see Mike. I mean, I've said this before. I can see Mike Moustakis come up and crushing it. Right. I can also see him bombing his first season. And I can see, and that, and that will make everyone freak out, good or bad, one or the other. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, Hosmer, I don't think he's going to – I think Hosmer isn't necessarily going to struggle. My point being that – you're, you're assuming that this team's going to keep playing as well as it is now, which it isn't. It's and not. They, no, it's like not. They're getting a lot of one-run wins. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I like Gordon more than Frank Coor, but neither of those guys are going to yeah. be able to keep this up. Hey, uh, hey Matt. And, 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 and uh, finally, uh, sorry, I just that, – that's assuming all those prospects come up and develop right away. And I think the lesson of Alex Gordon, even Billy Butler struggled his first couple of years. So the idea that the prospects are going to come up, they might. Uh, uh but the idea that they're going to rake or pitch well right away is um, uh, they overlap with the story. Well, let's take a break real quick, and we get, we get back. We're going to talk to uh, to Craig Calcaterra of Hardball Talk. So yeah, until then. Welcome to the podcast. Now being joined uh, by NBC. Uh, Hardball Talks uh, uh, manager at uh, I think I think you call it blogger in chief Craig uh, Craig Calcaterra Craig how you doing I am doing great and and yeah sometimes it's blogger in chief uh, sometimes I go with lead blogger but I like the other one better manager uh, head writer head coach manager at fan at, at fan, gra- at fan graphs we call Dave Appleman our dark overlord that's not bad that's not bad I kind of like that at Beyond the Boss yeah. where you- I'm just that guy what do you call Cameron. Full-time employee, <laughs> ah, which okay. just so he can, he can rub it in our faces and make us all super jealous. See, I, I met both of those guys at the winter meetings, and I and I got this uh, Cameron as Darth Vader, Appleman as the Emperor kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. If if once you meet Appleman, the the whole Dark Overlord thing is 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 really funny. He's a very nice man, though, for being. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. That's why that's what makes it so funny. Well, uh, well, Craig, you know, you you obviously do a lot of uh, of great work on Hardball Talk. Um, but you know, but I want you to talk a little bit about 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 how you started because because uh, you started with uh, um, you were actually a lawyer, am I correct? Yep, yep, sure was. Yeah, I, I practiced law for eleven years. Yeah, start from there. Start from there because uh, because it's obviously been a it's been a very uh, a fun road, I'm guessing from uh, from there on now. Yeah, let me, let, let me put a little finer point on that. I mean, because I think readers because now you're a professional blogger. 
professional right, blogger. Yes. And it started out that you're sort of a, it was sort of a part-time thing. Uh, why do you talk about that? Because some people are probably thinking, how can I get into the glamorous, highly paid world of blogging? On your throne in a mansion, throne mansion, uh, all that <laughs> stuff. Because I'm not even unshaven three days wearing a hoodie right now, but. I, it was actually a, a longer and a bumpier road than than it might seem. Um, I I uh, a lot of people probably know my writing from starting in 2007. I started a blog called Shysterball, which was a Blogspot blog. Um, but it actually goes farther back than that. Most people don't even know about this. Is that in 2000, late 2001, early 2002, I had been practicing. It used to be called Skip Bayless. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I had a, I had a complete makeover, plastic surgery. Uh, I'm now younger, and I used to be Skip Bayless. I actually, I used to be Jay Mariotti. And um, no, I, uh, I had started, just sort of on a one-off. I started this column called uh, Chin Music, which is not original at all. I think 18 people have written some sort of baseball column called Chin Music at one time or another. But I started one for a very obscure web magazine called Bull Magazine that did not last very long, but it was sort of like Slate or Salon or something like that that a, a friend of a friend wrote. And uh, I would do a weekly baseball thing, mostly in 2002 and a little bit into 2003. Uh, I don't know how many people read it. I didn't even get the stats of it back then. But I know that a couple of kind of important people read it, and uh, one of which was Rob Nyer read it. And... Uh, at the time, I think he might have linked it once, and it got a little bit of notice. And then right after that happened, life interrupted. Um, I, my, my wife got pregnant, family, decided to rededicate myself to my legal life in 2003, and I, and I just let it go. And uh, for f- over four years, I didn't do a thing about baseball. And in fact, I hardly even read anything about baseball. I watched games, but I just sort of disengaged myself from it. And then in 2007, I was getting very burnt out in the law. I uh, decided to to start doing this little blog about the law called Shyster, and then within about three posts, I realized that I cared a heck of a lot more about baseball than I did about the law, and I turned it into Shyster Ball, into a baseball blog. I figured, you know, seven people would read it. Uh, After about six months, I think Rob Nyer found it. Someone sent a link to it, and he sort of said, oh, yeah, this was that guy five years ago who wrote that one thing that I kind of (laughs) liked. And one day, he happened to link it on his ESPN column, and uh, and from there it just sort of took off, and so then from you know mid 2007 until the end of 2008, the traffic just sort of grew on Shyster Ball, and and around then was when the Hardball Times got interested in me. And the Hardball Times, uh, I believe it, I believe they had a box of Shyster Ball in the corner. Was that right? Yeah, that on the front page we had a little box. I, I mean, what had happened was um, uh, was a. Uh, was Dave Studeman of, of Hardball Times had seen a guest post that I had done on Rich Letterer's baseball analyst site, sort of a comedy piece about you know what had been going on in baseball that year, asked if I'd be interested in moving Shysterball as a full blog over to Hardball Times, and he gave me my own tab, and it was its own page where if you just hit Shysterball, it would go to it, but you could also get it from the front page of the Hardball Times. And I started doing that uh, at the end of 2008, and I ended up doing that through 2009, and uh, that that was really great for me. I mean, it, it definitely helped my traffic a lot. It, uh, it it sort of gave me a sheen of respectability more so than just putting things out on the Blogspot blog did. And, uh-huh. and I think people began to look at it in a bit of a different light. And then early 2009 is when NBC came calling. And and uh, and after that started, that's been great for you because you know because now you're really you know I mean now you're one of the most uh, popular and prominent writers in the business and and that's and, and talk a little bit about that you know what has what has Harbaugh talk uh, and first of all let me just say uh, very confusing HBT you know I keep thinking it's Harbaugh Times and Harbaugh Talk I get them really mixed up 
Well, yeah, it was funny about that, too. And what had happened with this was in in early 2009, uh, Aaron Gleeman and Matthew Pouliot, who I'm sure you guys probably know, had already been uh, writing for Roto World for for a long time. Matthew Pouliot actually was the founder of Roto World. Um, NBC had acquired it at some point, and uh, NBC had the idea that they wanted to start a proper baseball blog, not just a fantasy-based product. And they had Gleeman and they had Pouliot in-house and they said, well, why don't you guys start this thing? Just do the blog. And they were getting ready to launch it in the beginning of April 2009. And they said, well, I think we need one more writer, just someone who could help fill out. And they asked me, uh, Gleeman and, and Pouliot, sort of, I didn't know them that well, but they recommended me to, to their overlords at NBC as someone who was kind of prolific and could maybe do a couple posts a day. And I said, yeah, sure, I could do a couple posts a day. <laughs> and um, over the course of that summer, we launched it as uh, we launched it as circling the bases, and we called it CTB. And I think that was just sort of a we in five minutes, Gleeman came up with the name circling the bases, and we couldn't think of anything better. And uh, that summer, uh, Matt, uh, Mike Florio's Pro Football Talk blog, which was easily the most gigantic sports blog yeah. on the internet, uh, he moved it over to NBC, and that was part of why NBC wanted to start the baseball blog was to sort of have a baseball version of Pro Football Talk. And then, of course, branding and all that kind of sort of stuff happened. So they said, well, why don't we just change the name of this to Hardball Talk? Do you think there'd be any problem with that? My first thought was, well, that sounds a lot like Hardball Times. And I just left Hardball Times, you know, a couple of months ago. There's confusion in the market. All my little lawyer, you know, bells and whistles started going off of, Uh you know, what what could constitute a copyright claim. And, of course, since Dave Studeman is probably the nicest man in the entire Internet, I just sent him an email. I said, Dave, are you going to get bent out of shape if we call this Hardball Times? He said no. And that was it. (laughs) Uh, Hardball Talk. Hardball Talk. Yeah, Hardball Talk. See, I'm even confused. (laughs) Two years later, I'm even confused myself. So he said, no, don't care. And, well, that's, and that's... We, you know, it's funny. We were actually more worried about Chris Matthews on MSNBC. He has that uh, hardball show, the, the show. <laughs> and that's actually an NBC product. So we worried that, you know, we're going to get called from their lawyers or something like that. And then it would just be ugly. Matt, were you, were you, were you, have you been, have you been okay with the lead-ins you'd be getting from Leno? Yeah, no, you know, we're totally hating that. We, we liked it so much better with Conan. No, um, no, it's, uh, just a very different world. We don't even feel like we're part of NBC sometimes. I was in New York this past weekend, and uh, I had to do some business there, and I was in Rockefeller Center walking around, and I actually go into the Rockefeller Center store where they sell all the NBC gear, and I'm walking around just like a tourist buying stuff because <laughs> I, I forget. oh, wait, I work for these people. I could probably get one of these if I wanted to, but yeah. it didn't occur to me. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, what are some of, what are some of the – some of the you know how uh, unique features about Hardball Talk and and especially your wires. I know you have some really interesting wires. A like DJ Short, uh, to name a few. Uh, you know what what makes a Hardball Talk uh, different from some of the other uh, you know popular uh, baseball columns. Uh, you know on other sites. Well, the first thing that we we really consciously try to do, and and this was just in a lot driven by how I've always handled my blogging when I was blogging elsewhere, was. Try to be prolific. I mean, we try to write a lot of posts, and we don't just put posts up just to put them up. But I I figured something out pretty early, which was the more you write, the more people come, or at least if you write regularly. you got to keep a regular schedule. You can't do, like, you know, two posts in the morning, one post in the afternoon one day, and then six posts the next day, and then back to one post the next day after that. We try to keep it as a a regular, constantly churning schedule. place where, where new product is coming out and that can be hard sometimes and, and of course you have the 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 idea of you know are you compromising your quality because you're you're doing a post about some random oblique injury that no one cares about and we, we try to control for that but the idea is we want during 
the hours where people are in front of their computers to have a lot of new stuff up coming up constantly. And during the day, Gleeman and I will be doing that. We we hand it off a little bit in the evening to to DJ Short, who is who is excellent. Uh, Drew Silva, who is a, another Roto World writer, who who is also excellent. Uh, Pouliot has been uh, contributing a lot more lately than he had been before, and he certainly has a lot of Roto World responsibilities. But uh, we we just really try to keep it humming and looking for new ways to to make it a place where someone can come to and get everything they need to know about baseball. They might hate what we write. They might hate my opinions about something, and I do have some pretty strong opinions, but we want them to be able to come to us for one-stop shopping for everything. I don't know. People hate your opinions, Craig. I don't know. I like I like you just because you and I seem to share the same personal uh, say, affection for Pete Rose. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it's funny. As the thing has grown, it's definitely been interesting to realize that not everyone thinks like we think. It's hard because, you know, I come from the – I'm not a stats guy myself, but I come from the very sabermetric-friendly world, and, uh, you know, Gleeman certainly does. And, and uh, when we first started, it was mostly just friends reading and people that were, you know, friends of friends and blogs that were uh, fellow travelers with us. And as it's gotten bigger and grown, we get a more broad audience. And then certainly we have some, like, affiliations with MSNBC, which is just a monster news site. And sometimes they'll link things that come in and we'll get, uh. you know, a flood of just random people who don't know us, who don't know where we're coming from. But then we'll see... Uh, you know, me write a post saying Barry Bonds is a victim of the of a you know capricious legal system. Well, that's not really what people are prepared to hear. That's not what people really want. And so more and more, we we find I get it in comments and emails of people wondering just where the hell we're coming from. And uh, I like that. I want to challenge people's assumptions. Well, yeah, it's funny. No, I, sorry, Matt. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just say you know it's funny because because uh, Craig is absolutely right, and, and and I definitely understand because you know I was. There's a lot of times where I see a retweets of, of the Harbaugh Talk feed, and, and I've been following the Harbaugh Talk feed. Um, I just as of recently, I, you know, I followed Craig, I followed DJ, but um, but a lot of the a lot of the stories, a lot of the articles are very very um, interesting, and, and not even just not even just interesting, but moving. I mean, there's a great, well, you know, I don't want to say great. It was a very sad article today about um about the about the Twins player Craig. Uh, Oh yeah, the uh, the prospect is a brain tumor. Yeah, and um, but you know, but you know, it's one of those things uh, that you probably wouldn't find on you know on Sports Illustrated or something like that. It's it's very uh, it's pretty much all aspects of baseball, and that's the great thing about it. And um, we're what we try to do. I mean, we, people ask me all the time, does NBC tell you well you got to write about this, you got to write about that? And no, they they give us absolutely no marching orders at all. Um, the one thing that they said was, if something interests you, write about it. And so what we've just come to do is, I mean, we each have a different approach. Aaron will look at things differently than I will, but my view is I try to get the major news stories going down, but anything else is if, if something moves me to an opinion or something moves me to an emotion or something like that, I want to write about it. And so I just don't want to put up the AP style, this happened, that happened, uh, comments from the, you know, quotes from the people involved yeah. and, and then nothing. I want to, I want to write something that I have an opinion about and it, it it lends itself to to some very good moving stuff. It also lends itself to a lot of fights. I found. <laughs> are there any Are there any expectations for Harbaugh Talk? You know, it's obviously it, it's been a it's been a, a very popular site and and it, and it probably will be for for a very long time. Are there any things uh, that you might be uh, you know changes or, or new uh, you know maybe uh, maybe new writers or new styles of writing that we might be seeing in the future? 
Well, right now, I mean, we're still focused on growing it, and, and we, we think we're pretty happy with the model that we have. One thing we're trying to do is we're, we're integrating a little more video and stuff. I, I do a daily video during the season, uh, mostly daily. You know, like we skipped it today just because we didn't have anything to really do, but, um, you know, two or three minute video during the during the day called uh, HBT Daily we do where, where we'll just talk about stuff going on or I'll take reader questions or lately we've been interviewing people like, you know, broadcasters and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're probably going to be moving into a little bit more of that. There's been some talk of maybe expanding how much video we put on the site. And you got to be careful with it because video is very easy to do and it's easy to do poorly. Uh, so we, we want to make sure that it's worth the investment of someone actually having to, you know, sit through the 15 second ad first and then, you know, mute their computer if they're in their office or, or whatever. And, and it's, there's a little more of a barrier to watching a video than there is to reading a post. But we, we think that ultimately there's going to be some value there, but mostly we just sort of, we're happy with what we're doing. We're looking for ways to tweak it, but, but we, we kind of like the model. And it's something that I know Matt and I talked a little bit about earlier, which we wanted to talk to you about. And, and, you know, back to the, back to the baseball, baseball conversations, uh, Shinsu Chu today, Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! So we, so you know, so last week, obviously, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. Last week, uh, Derek Lowe, uh, there's, you know, there's a video. There's uh, obviously a lot of news, uh, and, and especially at the same time that Roger McDowell had his incident. But Derek Lowe gets charged with a DUI, and then a week later, today, uh, Shinsu Chu gets charged with a DUI. So, so what's your take on that, Craig? It's, I, I think baseball's got a problem right now. This is the sixth one since uh, the beginning of the year. Wow. Um, yeah, there have been six. It was like wow. you know, Adam Kennedy, Miguel Cabrera, Coco Crisp, Derek Lowe, and I think, uh, I think Kennedy twice. Austin. <laughs> well, yeah, well, there was the second one. It was the first one this year, but he had had another one earlier. And then uh, Austin Kearns. So yeah. This is the second one on the Indians, actually. Um, I, I think baseball has a problem in that, you know, I don't know if it's an epidemic of more drinking or, or, or if it's been bad luck or whatever, but. The, the face of baseball in the criminal world right now is that there are a bunch of rich guys who just don't care to call a cab and they're not using their free time properly. And, and yes, there are personal liberty issues there. And yes, there are the criminal justice system that you got to worry about. But I think Major League Baseball needs to do something. They need to at least let the public and the fans know that this is something they care about and that they find unacceptable more than just the rote comment you get from the general manager right. two hours after the news hits like we saw today. You know, we really regret this happened. This is not in keeping with the Indians' values. Well, everybody knows that. We need to hear something from Bud Selig. And we need to, to have something where players know going forward that after you get done with your little community service and your small fine that really means nothing to you when you make $10 million a year, that Major League Baseball is going to do something to you because it's a matter of deterrence right now. There obviously aren't enough things keeping players from doing this, and and baseball, I think, needs to step in. and Matt made a great point earlier. Matt said that you know it's it, it, it's very it's not easy for Bud Selig or for anybody to to stop this from happening. You know to uh, to uh, to uh, what's it called? Um, impose punishments to yeah. stuff like and, that. And baseball can't just impose it. They got to go through the union too. Right. And that's the yeah, hard. And, you know, and like you, Craig, I tend to generally be a well. I don't know if you, but uh, uh, just for the sake of keeping it short, I think we're both pretty pro-union guys uh, historically. Oh yeah, major. major uh, Signing with the players, players against management. Uh, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, having said that, uh, I think it's the interest of the players too, even though they probably don't see it that way. And the, the union's there for a reason. Blah blah blah. We don't need to go into that rant right now. But 
think we do something about it. Yeah, we saw this before, though. There there have been two other times, I think. I think the the players' union is the absolute best union in professional sports. It's very effective. I am very pro-players' union, and I take their side on almost everything, Um, not just as a matter of, you know, religious doctrine or something, but I I just tend to agree with them. Um, There have been three times in uh, in baseball history, two times, and this looks like it could be a third, where the players' union worked against their own – uh, their own membership. One was with cocaine in baseball. Uh, two was within steroids in baseball. And, and it could be three if they decide to be obstructionist about anything that baseball wants to do with, with drunk driving. Because every time they have looked at the small issue of we don't give up something unless we get something else, which is a smart move to make if you're the union. But they haven't seen the larger issue that taking that stand is actually hurting members of their union. And I think that's something that could be happening again. So so is there, you know, is there any... Uh... You know, I mean, is Bud Selig, is he going to come out and, and, and do his old talk about, you know, the game has never been, uh, you know, uh, this great, you know, things are things are great in baseball right now. I mean, he, it seems like he, you know, it's obviously, as we said, it's a very hard task to, to fix this. Um, but, you know, what's Bud Selig's take going to be? I think his take will be, pro- and I wouldn't be shocked if we saw, you know, the next, it's, it, as we're talking right now, it's, you know, Tuesday night, it wouldn't shock me within the next 24 hours that we see something where he says a very nonspecific statement about how I am troubled by this and we will work with the union and we will work together to blah, 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 and it means nothing. One thing to know about Bud Selig, the way he handles every single problem is he is a builder of consensus. He does not make a definitive move yeah. unless he thinks he can get it done. I mean, at least recent vintage Bud Selig was different yeah. 20 years ago, but um, I think what he'll do quietly is is talk to the union about what can we do to give the public some sort of sense that we care about this, and it wouldn't at all shock me because uh, Mike Weiner, the, uh, the head of the union, is also a very similar guy um, in this regard if they come up with some sort of plan to uh, you know it, it might just be couched in terms of alcohol education or or a plan like they sort of did in spring training in Arizona a couple teams that of uh, you know having a, a car service on call for every team at all times or or something like that to at least pretend to care about what seems like an, right. an out-of-control situation well, yeah, I was talking about this before. You know, the Keith Law has a great article about this. God, it was almost it was more than four years ago on ESPN. You could look it up. Just look up Keith Law uh, baseball DUI. It was mm-hmm. after Tony Larusa's incident, uh, which just came to shock to us all because he's such a great leader and smart guy. Um, uh, real uh, man of character, <clears throat> and uh, that's and that was four years ago, and, and basically nothing's changed. I will say with Bud Selig. Uh, Craig, I mean, it's like you said, the, the union can't just treat this as another thing not to give up on, just another bargaining chip. And the th- same thing has to be happen with with Seelig as well. You know, it's funny how uh, uh, they remember this. I mean, just that, you know, it's not going to happen, of course. There's these rumblings about contraction a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, right before he started. It's funny how that comes up, right, as the CBA is about to expire. <laughs> yeah. And it, it might, coming back to the point uh, uh, that – that if this if this Seelig can't handle it this that way either, he can't just treat this as a as a bargaining chip, because there's nothing either of them is going to get out of this. Uh, it's, it's not it's not a big enough deal. I think in terms of that that kind of in terms of that kind of labor uh, uh, labor management bargaining chip, it's going to be a big deal there. It's big for the public perception of both parties. Yeah, it can't be a wedge issue to try to get something else. It has to be a and I don't mean to sound cynical about it because it's more than this. It is a real issue, but the the thinking that goes into this uh, with these guys is going to be have to be we need to do something that shows people that we care and so it will be a 
I, you know, I call it a PR thing, but I don't mean that in the cynical way of, oh, it's just PR, but it does need to be some sort of public relations kind of thing of what we get out of this is some integrity on the issue. Not, not, I get something from ownership and I get something from the union. Yeah. And, and Craig, you know, this is obviously, this is going to be a big change of topics, but similar a baseball, uh, you know, current topic. And before I let you go, I just want to cover this real quick because, uh, cause you're the guy to ask, I believe. Uh, another you know huge storyline uh, over the past uh, week or so, a couple of weeks actually, has been the Frank McCourt Dodgers situation. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I hate to make you guys cringe, but um, it, it seems like every day. Uh, well, first of all, uh, one of the best fake accounts on Twitter, uh, Dodgers GM, which is a fake Nick Letty, does a oh, yeah. uh, does an amazing, amazing uh, you know parody on this. But you know, but I'm in all seriousness, it's really it's it's not funny if you think about the Dodgers situation. And, and wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not funny. When did we decide this wasn't funny? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I guess you know, if you're a Dodgers, if you're a Dodgers, you're a Dodgers fan, fan. Yeah, yeah. or Dodgers fan, it's not funny. But, but I, Craig, I'll admit, and I'll just say this: this is for Craig. I don't think I'd find it nearly as funny if I didn't read your stuff about uh, all the legal malpractices that are going on. I'm sorry, it's hilarious that, uh, that, that 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 Mark Cuban can't own a team, and I, Mark Cuban, yeah. bugs the crap out of me on a personal level. He can't own a team, but these clowns can. I mean, oh, we yeah. have two I mean, teams that are in serious funny. trouble. This is almost, this league has a license to print money. I almost feel like I'm being too hard on Frank McCourt because I I have to remember that Bud Selig was the one that let him in the club, and and you know. If, if if you ran a nightclub and, and you had somebody running amok inside and you kept a, a pretty hard you know guy at the door, it's it's partially your fault that the guy's running amok and that's kind of what's going on here. But Frank Frank McCourt's level of delusion has has gone off the charts and he was on radio in Los Angeles just this evening uh, for the first time taking calls from fans, which just shows you how wow. silly. He is. Yeah, that was, that was it was so funny. Uh, oh my gosh, I didn't know this. See, how is this not funny? Oh, it, it's you know. See, this is funny. I mean, the first caller that called in and said, oh, I mean, it wasn't a question. It was like a statement. It's like I'm not going to go to a Dodger game while you own the team. And that response, was the first. Did you hear his response. I, I I heard his statement. I'm not sure what his direct response was to the person. I, I think he said um, it's going to be like a long process or something before you go to games or whatever. Yeah, yeah, which is you know fabulous. But that's all sort of in keeping with what he's been doing. It's sort of like the who are you going to believe? Me, you know, me or your own lying eyes? And. You know, he his statement at the beginning of this show was, if the stuff that was written about me was true, I wouldn't trust me either. So basically, he's saying that everyone has lied about him, including everyone who was under oath in that court case, everyone who has reported his 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 tomfoolery, you know, in a painstaking manner, uh, and not just you know the L.A. Times or something. I mean, it's like everybody who's looked at this has just seen nothing but madness, and he's still out there saying to this day, yeah. three hours ago, that this is all not true and you don't believe it, and we're just fine. I mean, he is the nothing to see here, you know, please disperse cop as the building is burning behind him. Yeah, so so can I rephrase, okay, yes, the McCourt part of this is is hilarious. It's, it's very hilarious. But the Dodgers, uh, you know, the state of the Dodgers in general is not as funny. But the McCourt, you know, again, the, the McCourt yeah. part of this is, is very funny. And It, it is a shame to see a, a an institution like the Dodgers, which for years was – you know the absolute gold standard of a of a baseball franchise in terms of how its finances ran, how it ran, looked on the field, its class, its PR, its its baseball success, everything. The Dodgers were it. I mean, the Yankees went from back and forth from chaos to, to glory, but the Dodgers for you know 50 years or more were just this model organization, and they've just been brought down by this idiot. And uh, the good thing about this is it's going to be sort of like a Texas Rangers deal, where as soon as he's gone. 
life is going to get better again because the value of this team, even with what he's done to it, is really high. The 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 potential income in the future, if someone besides him is making the calls and you know not having to pay off his debt service, is really really high. So as soon as they're able to move him aside, which I think happens within the year, uh, you're going to see someone come in and this this organization is going to be back flying again. Yeah, well, who knows? Maybe Bud will finally reward somebody who's always been there for MLB, who's <laughs> taken the hard. Yeah, I, th- I think she run the team. Sean Smith. <laughs> Close. Jeff Loria. <laughs> yeah, he he needs a third team he can screw up. Yeah. Uh, well, he's a, he's a loyal soldier. Oh, I, this is the one time where I think Bud's going to bite the bullet and let someone outside come in, preferably someone whose net worth begins with a B. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here I want to, Craig. I want to talk about one thing. Uh, you know, before the season, let's now we're actually let's talk about baseball. Baseball, which is yes. so actually, let's because uh, for one thing, I don't know your personal history. We don't have to go into it. How how you got to be a brave Sam, but we don't have to talk about that. But uh, you know, I I am not because even though I sh- I have to follow their waiver uh, carefully for since I'm a Royals fan. <laughs> and so, uh, but, 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 we're very linked in that regard. Yes, it's. Uh, it, it's quite incestuous. Uh, that uh, I I thought I picked them to win the division, not because I thought they were the best team. Well, I think they're very good, uh, but because I thought Philly was going to get I really uh, I thought, thought a bunch of guys were going to get hurt, and it could still happen. Uh, so what do you mean? I mean, look, it's just a month in, blah blah blah. Not much is going on. They're pitching great, but uh, other than uh, Chipper Jones, who can <laughs> apparently will be seventy years old. Uh, being helped out of bed and still be able to put up a uh, 360 on base percentage. Yeah. And then Hayward, uh, uh, what do you make of the chances? To, I mean, my, my look at things, it looks like they're not hitting that much, but they're pitching really well. Um, right. Obviously McCann's going to come around. Uh, just uh, re- reflect on the, ha- reflect on the brave situation at this point. Well, I will say that, you know, though I'm a fan, I've always been a very realistic fan. I've, I've never thought that they were better than they were. And if anything, I probably undersell them more often than I have oversold them in the last, you know, 25 years or however long I've been watching this team. Um, my sense of them before the season began was that they're the second place team. I, I, I appreciated the idea that if the Phillies had injuries, that it could be a problem. But I, I tend not to get into the business of predicting injuries. And my thought was, as long as, you know, Halliday, Lee, Hamels, and Oswalt were healthy and taking their turns that they were a prohibitive favorite to be a first-place team because it's just like the 90s Braves. They're a very boring team in some ways, but you just look up in the middle of June and and they've got a 12-game lead because they win three out of every four games in in rather unspectacular fashion. And they seem to be doing that right now. I mean, we've talked about their injuries, we've talked about their problems, but, you know, they win two out of every three in every series, and that's just how you win a division and win 100 games. That's how the Braves always did it. With the Braves, um, I, I... I feared what is happening would happen, that there would be uneven offense for a long time. I mean, it was a good team on paper, but, you know, Dan Ogle has been horrible. Um, he's, he's done nothing, uh, and, and that's been a huge issue, and I figured that it could happen. Uh, I did not know how Martin Prado would, would do uh, moving to left field. Um, he's coming around more lately. Um, you know, Jason Hayward, for as spectacular as he has been, he will go to sleep sometimes. He will also get these these sort of nagging injuries that you worry about. I just did not have the level of confidence that this was a team that could come out and, and be, a, you know, a 95 or 98 win team, which is what I thought it would take to, to seriously challenge the Phillies. I think it's a good team. I think it could win the wild card. I think it could be a 90, 91 win team, maybe. 
but I just don't have the confidence that there's anyone on offense who is going to be consistent enough or healthy enough to be consistent all year to really make them a force. And, you know, the catcher with McCann, he, he's going to come and go a little bit with health and wear and tear. Chipper Jones, if you get 100 games out of him, I'm, it's, everything else is gravy. And then and then Hayward with his nagging injuries and stuff like that. So I, I never had illusions about this team. They're doing a little worse than I thought they would do, but I also think that they're going to round about here pretty soon. And, and it'll be sort of between them and the Marlins for most yeah. of the year. Well, Who's going to be the wild card team? Yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, because I'll be honest, um, I am a Marlins fan. The Marlins are one of my favorite teams. And and I do think that you know that the Braves are going to overtake the Marlins. You know it's been fun to watch them, but um, you know if you look at this Braves team, I think there's there's too many things that 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 have you know that almost have to go right. You know it's I think mm-hmm. I think I think they have uh, first of all they have um, some you know some players who have been uh, pretty unlucky, and they've had some pitchers who they've they've had some pitchers who have been pretty unlucky, and I don't think it's going to last the whole year. I think uh, you know people like Martin Prado has been very unlucky. Um, you know, but it's 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 a team that's uh, that that's built to win. They have a lot of of uh, players who are coming back from injury. Jair Jurgens is, I think, he made his third start of the season yesterday, and it was really good. Um, so so yeah, as you said, the offense is very uh, unbalanced. But I think I think it'll turn out. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. The, the Marlins have always frustrated me, though. They're always better than you think they're going to be, and and they're pesky. And it always seems like the Braves go down to to, to Miami and just like look horrible. Well, before it, yeah, yeah, the Braves have frustrated me. <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean, people talk about the Mets or the Phillies being the Braves' nemesis, and I've always thought of the Marlins as the Braves' nemesis, at least since '97. So, <laughs> Matt. Well, but the sorry. Hello. Yeah. Matt. Yeah. What's going on? Nothing. Everyone's still there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, sorry. No, I'm just. I was just sorry. The Marlins are frustrating because. Uh, can you imagine how good they'd be if ownership was invested in winning? My God. Oh yeah. It's just they, they never it's have a, a margin disgrace. for error. They never have I a mean, margin for error. Yeah, but they always exactly. If, if it wasn't for Donald Sterling, I mean, Jeff 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 Loria has got to thank his lucky stars every day for Donald Sterling and now Frank McCord, I guess. Because since he's lying long term, I think you got to give Jeff the credit for being the worst owner in sports, except for you know, Donald Sterling's always there. Uh, <laughs> but 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 I, what sends me about the Braves is uh, I had sort of forgot Tim Hudson is still really good. Yeah. It's it, that, that's the one thing I thought he was, you know, it's, sorry, I was an American League yeah. fan. I, you know, I, I, I kind of thought, hey, he had a couple good years with the Braves. And he no, I mean, he, he hasn't pitched as much, but he's still really good. Well, he missed the season. He had Tommy John. And, and so I think everybody sort of just wrote him off mentally at that point. And he had sort of like an uneven season and a good season before the Tommy John. And then everybody said, OK, Tim Hudson's done. But then he was fabulous last year. He's continued it this year. He in, He's sort of defying expectations a lot because he's not a strikeout pitcher by any stretch of the imagination, at least anymore. He, his strikeout rate is pretty low. He's not walking a lot of guys, but he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. And so, you know, from a peripheral perspective, he shouldn't be doing as well as he does, but the same goes for Jared Jurgens too. And actually the same is starting to hold for this new kid, Brandon Beachy. And so the Braves have like, you know, three or four completely unexciting pitchers who are just good. And they shouldn't be good, but they're not going to strike out 200 guys, but they're just there. And, and that's why I think people sleep on them a little bit. Well, with Hudson, he's the arguably still the premier ground ball guy in, yeah. in, in baseball. Yeah. I mean, 60 percent. I mean, even better than Lowe. And can I just say that Derek Lowe is the least surprising DOI I've ever heard of? <laughs> I, is, so that, is, that, is, is that is that wrong? 
No, he he is, and it's not because we know anything about his off the field behavior. Although I've heard a few things, but it, yeah. you just see the guy in the on the diamond, and he's always just sweating, and he's yeah. exhausted, <laughs> and he just he just he always looks how I feel when I'm hungover. <laughs> I, and I have to say, he's I'm sure he's a, a jerk, but he <laughs> he he cracks me up. There's something about Derek Lowe. I mean, it's like watching the Dukes of Hazard every time the guy's in the mound. I can't help but smile. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah, Derek Lowe. It's funny. Derek Lowe is like two weeks older than me, or something like that. And he's also born in Michigan. I was born in Michigan, and uh, and so ever since I heard of this guy, I always thought of him as sort of, you know, he's he's kind of like me, and not not at all because I'm not an athlete or anything like that. But you know, it's just one of those. I, I think of him as sort of a, a an adult peer <laughs> in some years, and there aren't very many people in baseball left like that. And uh, and then you see him just still be a knucklehead, and you feel a little more mature about yourself. He's always like that. It's so funny to watch him, uh, you know, to watch him, uh, you know, uh, like go crazy after he gives up a home run or whatever. So his emotions <laughs> all sweaty, as you said. Yeah. Well, and he's like pitch, but he's pitching. He's pitching really well this year. Yeah, yeah, he certainly yeah. is. He did, and, but, he's a great second half of last year too. Do you remember? Uh, and I thought he pitched well in the playoffs. I mean, he got mm-hmm. overshadowed because didn't he start the series where where Lincecum had the incredible game? Yeah, he did really well. He he had a horrible first half of the season, and then he just turned something on end of August, beginning of September, and he had like six or seven great starts and that carried over into the playoffs. And it just, you know, they didn't have the run support and all the offense was injured. So people forgot about it, but and he's kept it up. So he, he's figured something out. I mean, you can't sleep on the guy. He's ridiculous, but you can't deny the fact that at, at least three or four different places in his career, he could have easily just gone off the rails and been out of baseball. I mean, just, you know, when he was a closer, when, when he was starting in LA or Boston or wherever, he just, there were times where it looked like, Oh, well, Derek Lowe is finally blown up and we'll never see him again. And he always just manages to figure it out again. And there's something there. There's some sort of tenacity and focus that is uh, gotten through the sweat and alcohol haze. I think he, I, I think it's, I think it's that he gets, he's got some serious sink on his fastball. I think it's just, I think, yeah. I think that's it. Uh, well, here's, here's, here's one last Braves question. That's okay, Dave. Oh, absolutely. So what's, when's the last time you guys had three decent outfielders? What is there something? What's going on out in Turner Field? Is there like toxic waste out in left field or something? <laughs> I I or can't center? even remember. I can't even remember the last time they had three decent outfielders. I mean, it depends if you count Chipper Jones as being a decent outfielder when they had him out in the left. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I guess then they had what? They had Jones and Jones for a while before. Well, well they had Jermaine oh, Die for. Well, that was actually that was long. Yeah, that was early. Yeah, they they got rid of him after a while, but it was like. Yeah, it's been forever. They've just not had anything. I guess what did they have? Uh, no, I know what they have. They had Gary Sheffield, Andrew, yeah. and and Chipper Jones out there for a little while, for like one or two years. Oh, that's right. That was but, awesome. But you know, and that was but that was two thousand two. You know, so and then they've just gone several years. Well, with yeah, and some of it's sorry. Nothing. And well, they've punted. And you know, the thing thing is, Bobby Cox, for a while, he would fall in love with guys, and he fell in love with um, oh gosh, I'm. Uh, uh, I'm blanking. I'm Matt Diaz. Yep. He fell in love with Matt Diaz, and yeah. you, know, you know him as a Royals guy. And he 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 uh, did more than than let him be the platoon guy that he should have been. And then he he would always find someone like that that he put out there. Nate McLeod is another guy that they don't really have any other options in center, but they they got it in their brain when they made that trade that Nate McLeod was going to be the guy, and they wouldn't make another move. And uh, you know, we were lucky that Jason Hayward was able to hold the position because, I mean, last year would have been an utter disaster. It, you know, if they didn't give a starting job on opening day to a 20-year-old, which yeah. shouldn't happen anyway, right, yeah. uh, then it just would have been a sinkhole. So I, it's it's just been horrible to watch. Well, 
to be fair, there's been some bad luck. Like McLeod was good. Yeah, Martin Prado's I mean, been for, really. Yeah, well, he's been really. I'm, I'm yeah, lucky. but it but the McLeod thing. That's why I said the toxic waste. Because here's a guy who was good in Pittsburgh. I mean, he I think defensively he's over his head in center. But yeah. Not horrible, but but th- th- I mean, he was good in Pittsburgh. Then he came to Atlanta and just bombed. And and the whole Melky Cabrera thing. I. Yeah. I, I, I never thought he was a star, but for Melky to suddenly turn into basically the center field version of Unieski Betancourt, oh, that was, yeah. I think that was that's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> but oh, that, that's what happened. Yeah, no, that's what happened to him. I mean, I, he never looked like a superstar, but he didn't look like a guy who was going to be yeah. hit like Jason Kendall and field like somebody who sh- can't field. Yeah, late, right. late, late era Lonnie Smith. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was something, some, something, something suspicious going on in the Turner Field outfield. Toxic waste, yeah, well, as you said. It, it, a lot of it, you know, it's funny. You know, Liberty Media owns the team, and uh, they went from a time, uh, a few brief years, where the Braves were a big market, big payroll team, and, and then all of a sudden they weren't, and they had a very hard payroll starting in the uh, early part of the decade. And, you know, John Sherholtz kind of bristled at this, and they made some dumb trades, and, and all of this was to, you know, keep this payroll. It wasn't so bad compared to what a lot of teams have to contend with, but it was bad for the Braves, and John Sherholtz certainly wasn't used to, to dealing with those sorts of constraints. And I think they made some bad decisions in that world. And, um, you know, they, they, they had some pretty big contracts still out there. They got burned on Greg Maddox with arbitration. And there were just a few years where I think everybody kind of panicked and thought, well, we'll go with a couple of guys that are top payroll but maybe not superstar, and then we're just going to try to, you know, put parts together and – it wasn't a management team. I don't think Frank Renner or John Sherholtz had the ability to make the stars and scrubs kind of team work. You, you can do it, but I don't think those guys could do it. And uh, they're just now coming out of the woods with that, I think, and understanding that, you know, young players can help and, and you know, some, some scrap heap pickups that are smart can help. And they're coming out of the woods. But for a while, it was pretty dark there as far as how to make do with nothing. And you, had to, you ended up with some real bad guys on the bottom end. Yeah. Well, hey, Craig, uh, you know, I want to let you go uh, because I know you're busy, but um, you know, everyone, if you want to follow uh, Craig on Twitter, he is at, at Craig uh, Calcaterra. And uh, Craig, you know, it's been great talking uh, Braves and baseball with you, uh, especially. In, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. And um, we hope to get you on soon. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Matt. It was, it was yeah, a lot of fun. And anytime. Alejandro, uh, and Alejandro, I want you to tell me what you do. Well, I write for a Mexican uh, newspaper, nationwide newspaper, named Excelsior, and for the seventh year for Astros of Houston, well, Houston Astros in Spanish, the site officially is astrosdehouston.com, and well, we've uh, made a lot of efforts in Mexico to, you know, put the baseball on the level it had it had a few years ago uh, before a uh, strike on baseball went on in uh, 1980 uh, well it's a theme i'm writing a book about uh, almost finishing and and i and uh, i know you've told me about that book uh, the book is going to be um, also about the efforts that you're doing in mexico to help uh, promote baseball better am i right 
Yeah, well, we, we're not having a lot of spaces in media because, you know, uh, football or soccer in Mexico, it's, it's taking almost all of the time. As a matter of fact, I'm taking this, uh, well, uh, initiative or these uh, conversations with uh, some representatives uh, trying to take the, you know, the idea to put some uh, equal time between all of the other sports with soccer. I mean, in Mexico, the the media, all the, well, TV and radio spaces are from the state, and we're trying to put some uh, equilibrium, I don't know, some balance yep. in all of the time because uh, it's, it's huge all of the time it's taking soccer with the other sports in, re- in comparison with the other sports. So, so, so does your work with the Houston Astros? Uh, is that, you know, as as time goes by, is it being, uh, you know, exposed to more people? Is it getting more popular, baseball? Well, Astros, I, I write for them the uh, in Spanish and uh, local newspaper in Houston. It doesn't take uh, so much exposition here, but it's great to write for them. But Taking that uh, team specifically, uh, it's for, for me it's incredible that Houston Astros doesn't have a don't have a, a Mexican on their uh, 25-man roster. Actually, even the Rangers they had last year Jorge Cantu. Yep. But it, for me it's incredible that they, uh, aside from Arizona Diamondbacks, they're nearby the frontier with Mexico, and none of them is having a, a Mexican on their. 25-man roster. I mean, the, the most incredible thing for me is that Dominican Republic is having a lot of, of, of uh, members or, or players in, in the majors. I know there's another, you know, poverty factor in that country. And in Mexico, we have another level of economy, if I can say that. But uh, there's a lot of leagues in Mexico. There are a lot of leagues in Mexico. They 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 pay good money some of them and uh, it's unbelievable for me that they, we're not taking all of the uh, players we could uh, send to the majors so are you and your colleagues uh you know are, are some of your goals personally Alejandro to you know to to ha- uh, to have baseball in Mexico uh, be more popular you know amongst young people so so they'll you know play in more leagues and eventually be um you know uh, are very good players in their leagues and eventually go to you know, to America? Well, that's a good question. I think we're very divided, uh, even more uh, when this strike I was telling you, because uh, there were both sides of the story, the officials and the people, well, the, the colleagues uh, who think that the players were having uh, some good elements to, to take that strike. Well, even more difficult for them because... Mexican authorities never recognized that movement uh, named ANAVE, Asociación Nacional de Beisbolistas, as a strike. Uh, there's a good writer, there was a good writer, David Laplace, yeah. a North American, who wrote about that. I mean, uh, players are not having a union. We're, uh, baseball writers have a union. I've been in contact with uh, Enrique Kerlegan, who who left this uh, Círculo de Periodistas de Béisbol, yep. uh, Baseball Writers Circle or something like that. And he told me, 
never, even if I were crazy, I went crazy, would make that again. And I'm as a lawyer, Uh I'm interested, but when I see the reactions and the comments from the colleagues, believe me, it's, uh, you know, a titanic effort that I wouldn't like to take, (laughs) to be honest with you. And, well, with the players, it's almost the same because uh, they don't have a union. It's the only country in the Caribbean Confederation, you know, these countries that play Caribbean series. Yeah, Mexico is the only one, the only country, uh, not having this uh, players' union, and well, in U- in the U.S., well, the the players are having as well as a union, which represents them uh, very well. I mean, they have some rights in Mexico. We don't, the players don't don't have a pension. They can't uh, make, they can't veto any trade. It's it's hard for them. Uh, they are. They come from uh, places with a lot of poverty factors, and it's so hard for them. Right. So, mm-hmm. so, so, is there any, you know, is there any progress being made uh, to fix that and, and, and you know, uh, structurize, if that's if that's a word, uh, you know, uh, uh, make the make the league more structured and and you know more uh, balanced, as you said. Yeah. Well, I, we're trying uh, some specific things, taking this as a reference as well. Yeah. Mexico is a country uh, not having a MLB network at any any cable or satellite TV wow. system. Yeah, that that's that's, crazy. that's hard. Even even craziest because uh, you know that my TV program uh, it's aired on a cable uh, channel, TV cable channel, owned by this uh, union of cable enterprises. And I brought this uh, situation from the MLB network. We have NFL network on the on the cable systems, but they told me, hey, if they are gonna try to, you know, get some box with it, if if it not, if it's not free, we're not interested. Oh, come on, it's MLB network. <laughs> I told them, no, it, it's hard to take that as a reference because, uh, as I told you, well, uh, more than once, yeah. soccer is taking all of the time, and we're trying to put some uh, some balance, as I said. But the other things we want to make, it's a, a draft for yep. Mexican Baseball League, which is, you know, the Triple A. they know that it's Triple A, but we all know it's very, very below Triple A. maybe yeah. high A as a, as a plus, I don't know. And uh, we're trying to put some urban, well, not not some, uh, a urban youth academy in a, uh-huh. a, a nearby Mexico City area, a very very with a very high population. Nessa, the, you know this rich man uh, Carlos Slim, it, he has so he built a, you know, sports complex with uh, maybe two sport uh, baseball uh, areas. Yeah. And we're trying to to bring some of them. I've uh, proposed to Major League uh, Major League Baseball office in Mexico. Uh, they didn't tell me if I if if they if they were very interested in it. Um, well, it's the, those are the efforts. I don't know uh, which of them or, uh, will be landing, but we're trying to make something. And and there's another. One in in Baja California, nearby California, yep. uh, RBI or yeah, RBI. RBI. Uh, yeah, 
they're trying to do one a friend of mine so so if anything if anything should you know if anything if anything should happen if anything should come of this uh you know if things work out how long would this take you know for for uh for things in mexico you know for baseball in mexico to be at your expectation uh for you know for things to go right well it's hard to to put some years or, or something yeah. in perspective i mean we have professional baseball all of the year but uh, at a TV screen, you can see that people is not going to the stadiums mm-hmm. because we have this. Uh, well, it's sad for me to, to say that, but it's a reality, and I have to consider it. And we have some serious security issues. Yep. Taking, for example, Reynosa at the Tamaulipas frontier with Texas, uh. it's very unsecure to to go to the stadium. Torreon as well, uh, Chihuahua when it was at Mexican League. It was very unsecured to to go to that stadium, a, a beautiful stadium. You know, sadly, the most the most recent stadium or, or the newest stadiums in Mexican League, Nuevo Laredo and Chihuahua, the, those uh, both were the franchises uh, which taken which been taken uh, out of Mexican League for this year. Yeah. I mean, you're making some investment. <laughs> Next year you don't have baseball. I right. mean. It's so unlogical for me. That's horrible, and we, you know, it. Uh, I do, you know, I do understand, but it must be great for the people there to have, you know, to have players or uh, represent them in America, such as Adrian Gonzalez, Jorge De La Rosa, uh, Matt Garza. What's that like to have, you know, to, you know, for the people in Mexico, for the baseball fans, to see and and hear about, you know, uh, some some really really good, you know, Mexican players uh, playing really well in the majors. Well, first of all, all of the. Uh, ones that you've mentioned, none of them are from Mex- from Mexican League. I mean, it is supposed that Mexican League is Triple A, mm-hmm. but any of the teams are having, uh, you know, so much uh, known contract yeah. with a Major League Baseball team. Uh, I've been insisting this uh, recently to Mexican League that now, uh, well, from now on, that they are fo- 14 teams. They could have any Mexican League team a uh, contract uh, for collaboration or, or something like that with a Major League Baseball team for each of the leagues. I mean, one in the American and one in the National. Of course, they've ignored me uh, as almost right. always. And it's so sad to see that because the only Mexican at, at the majors right now, which we could recognize as a Mexican League product, it's uh, Joaquin Soria. Yep. And the Royals. He went very young. Uh, Jorge de la Rosa worked some time in Mexico, more on the winter in Mexican Pacific League. Uh-huh. But Mexican League is not producing the, or developing the talent that the, you know, that Dominican is, is doing well and Venezuelan is doing great. I mean, it's not. There's no comparison, and right. you have professional baseball all of the year, and not having, you know, the the results that you want to to take to. Are you know? Is there anything that the Mexican league has? You know, qualities that the Mexican league has that the, uh, that the Dominican league and even the major leagues that don't have. Well, we in Mexico used to used to produce a lot of pitchers, uh-huh. but when you see the it, the ERA from Mexican League teams, <laughs> and the problem we have with the bullpen, uh, the, the you know there there are no no 
there are no such good uh, open uh, openers or, or so deep charts on the you know the the openings and it's so hard to 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 see that for example we don't have any uh, uh, fielders wow. uh, good fielders you know as a prospect in mexico uh, mexican league for my in my opinion it looks more like an in the uh, in the indie league than a triple a uh, league for the for the minor system mm. and you know alejandria Alejandro, before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about your uh, about your videos and your TV uh, channel. And I, you know, I've seen some of your videos and they're really good. And you broadcast sometimes. What's that like? Talk about that a little bit. Well, uh, this uh, channel that I work as a freelance for, yeah. it's the TVC Deportes. We have a weekly program. Uh, you know, talking about this peculiar situation we have in Mexico, we have a lot of images from Major League. We can get some images from Cuban League, from Japan League, from the minor system, and well, we uh, we've asked several times. Uh, I have the the proof <laughs> in emails and and writings, uh, asking uh, Mexican League to to send us some images, and they don't even answer. Sometimes I'm, it's great to do the, the show. Yeah. Like signings is the name. I really enjoy it. It's you know a tradition because the channel has four years, and this is the fourth season of the program, and and all of them I I've been, which is an honor. But we we cannot make you know uh, this uh, Mexican league attraction for for the young Mexican fans. They they if they like baseball, they are talking about Alex Rodriguez, yeah. Derek Jeter, maybe some other in Gonzalez, but. We're not making, you know, idols from Mexican League, which is a hard thing to understand because, as a as an enterprise that Mexican League is, they're not selling, uh, okay, the, their product, uh, right? You know, the games and the and the the teams are are products uh, finally for me. Right. Yeah. Hey, and hey, listen, Alejandro. You know, I I really uh, thanks so much for joining us, and it's really it's really great what you're doing. It's really great that you're trying to to help and fix the situation in the Mexican League. And hopefully, you know, uh, we're all hoping, you know, everyone who's listening to this is is, uh, is hoping that things do get better. And um, hey, everyone, if you want to follow uh, Alejandro on Twitter, you are at, at Alehu, it's A-L-E-J-O-U. And if you'd like to read Alejandro's work, it, hey, Alejandro, is it, is it astros.com slash espanol? Uh, no, it's astrosdehouston.com. Uh, Astros de Houston, altogether.com. Okay. In Spanish, and my uh, blog is uh, El Champion Bat, El Champion Bat, altogether. Uh, dot MLBlog.com. And is there anything uh, you like to say? Are uh, you like to say in Spanish to your uh, to your listeners uh, before I let you go? Uh, excuse me, I didn't hear. Is there anything uh, that you like to say in Spanish uh, to your uh, to your listeners uh, before we let you go? Well, uh, I, I could add to all of the, you know, Mexican baseball reality that uh, the federation, well, we are so far from the USA baseball kind of work. Uh, the president of the Mexican Baseball Federation, for your information, he has uh, more than 20 years there. It's uh, military, which, uh, well, he carries a, a gun with himself. Wow. And, well... Yeah, it's not uh, the you know the the best person to to take uh, 
the development of the of the young uh, ball players in Mexico. It's so sad. In fact, the softball federation is not at Mexico City. You know, we're yeah. so centralist in Mexico. Uh, they took them away, took it away because uh, they couldn't work in Mexico City. I, I played softball as well. I really like softball. Uh-huh. It's so, so sad to see that reality. But, well, we're working. It's so pleasant to talk about baseball with you, oh, with your audience. Absolutely. <laughs> it's great to yeah, oh, it's always great to talk to you, Alejandro. Uh, um, I, I, we definitely are happy to have you on. It's always great to talk to you. You know, obviously, you know, it's um, it's great to have you as a friend, and uh, and we definitely wish the best for you uh, going forward, and and wish the best for the Mexican League, and everything down there, and the Astros, of course. <laughs> no, it's great to to be your friend as well. I hope my words uh, are clear to to you know to under, for the understanding of your audience, but. Let me say it again. We're making a lot of uh, interesting efforts in Mexico. We hope that baseball can can get his place again. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, hey, listen, Alejandro. Thanks so much, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Claw when you well, it's red for me. Have I given you a clue? The bare necessities of life will come to you. The podcast, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the interviews with Alejandro and Craig. Uh, both were excellent interviews. We had a lot of fun, Matt. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun uh, talking to Craig and Alejandro. And uh, I know you're tired. I'm I'm tired. So we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye, um, but not permanently. Just uh, just until next week. Um, yeah, well, and thanks to our guests. That that, that was this was that was a lot of fun. It was it was tons of, it was tons of fun. So so yeah. So we'll uh, so we hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll talk to you next week, guys. Take care. Look for the Yeah, with just the bare necessities of life. Yeah, man.